What's going on, everyone? Alex Miller from The Eagle here, joined by Robert Cessna and Travis Brown, breaking down Texas A&M's 23-21 win over the Arkansas Razorbacks in the Southwest Classic. This video, of course, brought to you by the Ranch Holly Davidson in College Station. If we know anything about these games, guys, it, it always seems to be bonkers. And, I mean, this might have been the nuttiest one of all. What did you make of it, Cease? Come on, that, that uh, fumble returns, you know, how, how can you not talk about that and then the boink off, off the goalpost? I mean, those two plays alone, uh, and I'm for moving the game from here, going back to, you know, home at home, so to speak. But you can't beat the drama we've seen in the Southwest Classic when these kind of games. And what I liked about this was a full house. And I know it was only like 64, 69,000, but it was a full house. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen a ball land on top of the upright and then bounce out. It, it was just nuts that that the the play, the the fumble recovery play, return play, where they said it was like backyard football. It's exactly what it was like. Uh, Damani Richardson saying he was gonna uh, go over there and and he was gonna give me the ball, and if he didn't give him the ball, he was just gonna take it anyway. It it's crazy, but but that's the thing that. Like C said, you, you love about this matchup and, and you love about this game that it's always going to be close. It's always going to come down the wire and there's always going to be some kind of ridiculous play uh, that, that makes it memorable. Um, like C said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss it when it comes when it leaves AT&T Stadium because I think that plays a little bit of a part in it. You know, through the first 15 minutes, though, it, it really looked like it was about to not be a game. Arkansas, of course, raced out to a 14-0 lead and I mean... It, We've talked at length about A&M's struggles on offense early this season, and I mean, they—they they were everything was failing for the Aggies early on. Yeah, I, I'll go back to as we'll go back to that play. But if you go back before that play, uh, they were just going up and down the field, except for you know that one time. And what's ironic is when it was fourth and three, who did they call on? They called on Jefferson, just basically plowed the the line through eight yards. And then for some reason, on first and goal from the three, instead of plowing ahead once or two or three times, he tries to go airborne. And for a junior quarterback, I, I realized, you know, I wrote in a column, I think he, he thought he was almost invincible that time. At that time, he, he made so many good runs, I felt he was invincible. And, you know, really, they give Russell a credit, but I think he was losing the ball before Russell hit him almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and if you want to look at A&M's offense early in the game, a lot of it was pre-snap confusion, and it's been something that's plagued them throughout the season, getting really late into play clocks because they're not necessarily getting the, the play call in, they're not necessarily getting lined up. Early there was a delay game call, there was an illegal shift when two of the wide receivers didn't know which side of the line they were supposed to be on, and they both moved at the same time. There was another illegal shift later when they went into I-form uh, in one play that had, they had two uh, young uh, backs in the back there that that mm -hmm. kind of messed stuff up. Jimbo had to call a timeout after a kickoff because things weren't lined up. Uh, Mac, we got two kind of explanations for that. Max Johnson said he just feels like a lot of times they don't come out with enough urgency early in those drives. Uh, that kind of takes has been taking them a couple of plays in those drives to get going. And as you saw, like in I know Max Johnson was the quarterback in that, but in the App State game, they didn't have enough plays and enough drives to really get going uh, and, and to get in the flow of the game. Jimbo Fisher kind of put it a little bit more on anxiety, and he said it's young guys who are nervous, who are anxious, who are wanting to do the right thing, and and the game's just kind of moving too fast for them, and they need to to see it to slow down. Interesting to see how they'll be able to, to mitigate that moving forward because it has been an issue up until this point. It was an issue today. It wasn't a, a, a fatal issue. They were able to overcome it, but there is 
opportunities where if that continues, that could cost them games in the future. Devon Achain ran for 163 yards. A&M's had a hard time running the ball early this season. Uh, you take away the 63-yard run, he ran for 100 on 18 carries. It's a little over five yards a carry. Cease, what'd you kind of make of what Anum was able to do with the offensive line? It seemed like A-Chain was just, he finally had some of that vision he'd been missing, it seemed. Might have been one of the silent keys of the game because I felt coming in, A&M to win would have to run the football. It was come somewhat deceiving that they had Arkansas had a seventh-ranked defense because that counted to 15 sacks for like 170 yards or whatever. So other teams had had some success running the ball, so I felt this was going to be the best offensive to run the football, and I thought A&M could maybe get to 125. That's, that's what I was doing in my mind. So I did better than that. So I thought that was a big key. And, man, I, I just can't say enough. <laughs> you want to say what did the season? Making Max Johnson the starter. I mean, that guy made some plays today. I hope I spelled it right. I'm sure Robert Primo will, will get it. He was Houdini several times, you know, because if he doesn't make any of those plays, they probably lose the game. You know, Travis, throughout the game, me and you were kind of talking about Anum's three-man front on defense. And whereas things were not really going well for the Aggies in the first half, that three-man front really kind of settled in and worked for them pretty well in that second half. What they were doing with that three-man front is they were bringing one of the linebackers in, usually Chris Russell as a, as a spy. Mm -hmm. and, and by having him spying a little bit behind the line with that three-man front, if the, the blocking brought the line to the right and Jefferson rolled out to the left, he was able to shift over to the left and kind of keep contain on the left side of the line and vice versa on the right side. He, he was that kind of spy contain man. Um, it, it, it worked. There was especially one play where, uh, KJ, uh, where Chris Russell was able to get a lot of pressure there Early in the third quarter, coming on, uh, uh, coming coming in on the spy, reading the play uh, for a tackle for loss, and um, yeah, I think they were able to contain his running and, and getting outside with that three-man front plus the spy. The thing that still concerns me a little bit is their ability to stop short yardage runs up the middle. As he mentioned on that fourth down play, uh, if KJ and moving forward, if KJ Jefferson would have continued to run the ball strong through the middle. I don't, I don't think A&M wins this game. Well, we'd be remiss not to mention how Anaya Smith left the game and kind of uncertain where he's headed. Of course, he got rolled up there on, on that run play, went down on that right leg, uh, hobbled off the field, couldn't put any weight on it. We saw him on the sideline with crutches and uh, with a boot on his right leg. Jimbo Fisher didn't have any status update on him after the game, but Cease, it, it looked like it was a – pretty bad injury you know how costly would it be if Anais you know is out for a substantial amount of time well he's such a leader you know and we don't even see the practices of how much of a leader he is I always hate to speculate on that because we don't know it didn't look good and uh, when you consider he was getting double coverage which opened up things they should have had a, like a 60 80 yard touchdown pass uh, one time Moose Muhammad was open that should have been a play but that's what he can do. Without him, you're going to lose those kind of plays. And A&M can't afford because A&M doesn't have enough upperclassmen. Yeah, and then, you know, Travis, we, Moose Muhammad, he got he got the start, uh, saw a significant amount of time. You know, we'll see what happens with Anaya Smith. But, you know, if the Aggies have to go next man up, uh, Moose is probably going to have to get his game going a little better after, you know, kind of some head-scratching plays tonight. 
Yeah, he ultimately got replaced by uh, uh, Chris Marshall and then Chase Lane, who had gotten a majority of the reps, reps coming into this game late because on that one drive, just two plays separated, he was wide open for a touchdown pass. And it wasn't really a matter of Max Johnson overthrowing him. He led up and tried to jump for a ball that if he would have kept running, he would have just run right under for the touchdown. And then I believe two plays later, a block in the back penalty on one of those Houdini runs by uh, Max Johnson uh, negated most of that run. And, and then he was done for the day. There, there is something that he is doing in practice that earned him that extra playing time today, but he's going to have to make it count when it counts moving forward, especially if Anaya Smith uh, is out for any period of time. It was interesting that ESPN did catch a, a glimpse of him and his dad in a real emotional moment on the sidelines, Anias, that is, after that injury. Again, we don't know what that means, but uh, it would be a, a pretty big blow if they weren't able to have him moving forward. Well, it was certainly a huge win for the Aggies tonight. I mean, we were talking two weeks ago after A&M lost to App State, just, you know, where's this season going to go? And here they are. Two weeks later, they got a pair of top 15 wins. I know Miami lost today to Middle Tennessee. That's a pretty ugly win. They'll fall out of the polls. But a win over Arkansas, number 10, pretty good. Cease, you know, where, where do you see A&M kind of going now that they're uh, heading to Starkville next week, a place they've kind of struggle with. Well, I want to interject on that question, too, because yeah. I'm curious what you think, Cease. I know we'll, we'll get into your grades in another video, and you can look at that online, but going at one, one game into SEC play where they faced what we know is, is a pretty good opponent, where, offensively and defensively, where is this team? Because you want to say that they're, they're not necessarily great or not necessarily polished on either side of the ball, but they're getting the job done. I just think this is an amazing game, and the fact is I can't remember an A&M team that made more mistakes in a big game yet won and be so young against a veteran team. I, I put my column about that. I was amazed that they won the game because there's about five, six plays. If they don't make, they lose, but they won. And, and somebody asked Jimbo the question, and I agree with Jimbo 100%. This is a great game for them to learn because they won. They made all these mistakes, and they're young and won, and they'll learn from that because they'll, they'll get better. That green kid will get better. The line, after being crappy at first, really did well. I sat there and go, this Russian three ain't going to work. What's Durkin doing? But that was the right call. So once again, is like a lot of things, I, I think this is a huge step forward for them today. All right, well, that's going to do it. Be sure to check theeagle.com for all of our coverage from AM's win over Arkansas here at AT&T Stadium. For Robert Sesson and Travis Brown and Alex Miller, we'll see you next time. All right.